Well, we are thinking of, of one or two uh, Old Testament readings. We've been looking at, at lots of our New Testament readings as we've been following through the Christmas story over these weeks. We're thinking of one, of the, uh, one or two of the Old Testament readings tonight as we uh, realize that the Bible prepares for the arrival of the Lord Jesus. And our first reading is from Genesis 3, 8 to 15, and Ruth Bingham is going to come and read that for us, Ruth. Genesis 3, verses 8 to 15. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Well, our readings move on from Genesis to Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 1 to 9. Paul is going to come read that for us. The reading is Isaiah 53, 1-9. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was laid like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he didn't open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. 
for the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Well, our last reading before John comes to speak to us is from John chapter 1, uh, 1 to 14. David is going to read that for us. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was not made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, come with me to John chapter 1 tonight. If you have your Bible there, keep it open. Uh, We're going to think a little bit uh, for a few moments here about what uh, Christmas is really about. We're not going to be based so much in John chapter 1. We will refer to it at a couple of points. Uh, But really, tonight's a a short reflection, and uh, uh, you're all hoping that, yes, John, that you will keep it short tonight. Uh, But we're hoping to have a short reflection uh, as we think about Christmas. So here we go. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house... Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. I don't know if you've ever had a vision of a sugar plum dancing in your head, but uh, <laughs> this is Christmas Eve. And so uh, tonight, what do, what do we remember or what are, what are your expectations? Well, you're maybe bubbling with excitement. You're hoping that your uh, stocking will be full in the morning, that you'll have lots of presents. The waiting's almost over. All of the months of expectation, all of the months of good behavior leading up to this very point. And so you, you hope that tomorrow that there will be something almost mystical and magical. There will be great wonder as you bounce down the stairs or as you sneak up the hall to see all the presents that you have been given. And perhaps in the midst of this, you think to yourself, well, it, it used to be really good, but this year it's going to be kind of average. Maybe you look back with fond memories and you think this year's not going to be that great. You look back, and you're also full of happiness and that mixture of sadness. Those days are gone, never to be experienced again. Something has changed in your life maybe this year. And in the midst of all of the the poems and the the excitement and the, the cooking that will happen in just a few hours' time, 
We can, and we hear this often, we can often miss the wonder of Christmas, the supernatural wonder of Christmas. And so tonight, for the few moments that we have, I want us to go not just to try and conjure up some sort of warm, bubbly feeling for us all here this evening, but I want us to go further than that. I want us to have truth that we can base our lives upon, truth that we find within the Christmas account. And we're going to do this through uh, the, the thought or the idea of Advent, okay? So I want us to see the significance that Advent has for our lives. Now, what is Advent? It simply means the arrival of a person, and the arrival of the person that we're thinking about is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to think about his first Advent, and then we're going to think about his second Advent. Two points, his first Advent and his second Advent. And we're going to break those down into strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Because in the midst of all that happens at Christmas, in the midst of coming to carol service after carol service and watching nativity after nativity, sometimes we can really struggle with discerning what the meaning of this all is for us. How does this apply? We know the story, but how does it change us? Well, strength for today. Let's look back to the first advent. How can you live today with unshakable strength. Do you need to go on a self-help program? Do you have to download a course? Do you have to listen to a podcast for 24 weeks? In a world that is moving and changing quickly, will we be able to stand firm on truth? Well, yes, we can. You can have unshakable strength because of what is contained in the readings that we have heard tonight. You can stand firmly on the first advent. What were the first two readings all about? The first two readings were the Old Testament pointing us forward to the Lord Jesus Christ, right from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it's as if in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we, we look at the artist's canvas, and the artist has started to sketch out for us what's going to happen. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it's, it's just a sketch and then as we go through page and page of Scripture, and we could have gone to, to Abraham and started to read about the promises given to him, and we could have went to character after character after character, as if the artist is layering up paint layer after paint layer after paint layer, and the, and the painting is starting to come to life into Psalms and into Psalm 8, where David tells us about the one who is to come, and then into Isaiah that Paul read for us, the artists throughout the Old Testament building up layer after layer, waiting and expecting, and then the people faint and they grow weary, and they wait and they expect and they faint and they grow weary, waiting for this one who is to come. And as all of the Old Testament waits for the first advent, the first arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ, the people must have wondered, are these promises just empty words. Are the promises of, of Genesis 3 and of Isaiah, are they just empty words? Are they made up? Will God show up? Who will save us? And then, John, John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he goes on to say what? And the Word came 
into this world, the Word made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Christ is born unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior as we've been thinking about. All of the promises of the Old Testament, what do we say, are found our yes in the Lord Jesus Christ. All fulfilled, all have come to pass. And what does that mean for us? What does the big equal sign mean for us? Well, it means that God is not a fraud. He's not a liar. He's not a con man. That we can trust him. Jesus is God's son. Born in time and space. Christianity is true. And what was Jesus born for? Well, he was simply born for our salvation. Born for your salvation. Born for my salvation. Born that we might become, what does John say? Verse uh, 12 and 13, that we may become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Christ comes into the world to save sinners. So as we start to apply this then, Christ's first advent, this long-awaited advent, his long-awaited coming, then how do we motivate ourselves for each day? How do we make sense of the world in which we live? How do we make sense of ourselves? How do we deal with all of our disappointments, all of our mistakes, all of our mess-ups? How do we live with all of our shattered dreams? When health escapes us, when suffering is all that we know, when we lose perspective in our nine to five, when we're stressed and we're breaking, what do we do, where do we go? Well, I want us all tonight to look back, to look back at this first advent of Christ, because that is where you will find strength for today, because that is where we find our salvation, rescue brought by the Lord Jesus Christ for all who would receive him, for all who would believe in his name, because Jesus was born, we can be born again. We can be made new, changed forever. And so I want us tonight to cast our mind back and to look back to Bethlehem to see the entire meaning of life in the face of the baby in the manger. See your ability to face this day with joy in your heart because of the babe of Bethlehem. Look back to the first advent and thank God when it feels like we can't go on, when it feels like sin is one, when we walk through suffering and sickness and pain and grief, look back. Look back to the first advent. Here's how one of the writers of a famous Christmas carol, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore You, puts it. It says this, mortals join the mighty chorus which the morning stars began. God's own love is reigning o'er us, joining people hand in hand, ever singing, march we onward, victors in the midst of, tri in the midst of strife. <clears throat> Strength for today, not found in ourselves, not found in a course, not found in a podcast, 
found in the first advent that really changes our life. But that's only half the story. Because we need bright hope for tomorrow. If we have strength for today, what's our bright hope for tomorrow? Well, instead of now looking back, I want us to look forward and I want us to look up for the second coming, the second advent. I wonder tonight on the way, and if I were, uh, had have handed you all a little slip and asked you what was the greatest event in all of history, and you weren't allowed to say the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, you had to, you had to go for some sort of secular history as such, I wonder what you would have said. Maybe you'd have put down one of the great theaters of war. Maybe you'd have put down on the sheet the ending of slavery. Maybe a women receiving the right to vote. Some of the greatest events in all of history. But what are we sure of? That the greatest event that will ever happen on the face of this earth is yet to come. And it's the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second Advent. You see, this is what Advent really is all about. We've, we've kind of lost this within the Christian tradition, haven't we? We talk about the Advent period, and we, we have it sort of limited to the, the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Traditionally, in the history of our church, Advent was all about looking to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we should be a people who wait and watch and watch with expectancy. We watch and we do not grow faint. We watch and we do not grow weary. As Hebrews says, we, we run the race that is set before us with a great cloud of witnesses because the Lord is coming again. This is our bright hope for tomorrow. Whenever we lose perspective, whenever our heads go down, strength for today, found in the salvation that we have in the Lord, our bright hope for tomorrow, found in His return. In Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 3, we hear that John tells us in chapter 3 and verse 12, John the Baptist, that Christ will come with the winnowing fork in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Why is this good news for us? Well, as Christian people, this is the news of the judgment. And for us, that's good news because justice is coming. Justice for us and for all of mankind. When Christ will return and he will judge the living and the dead, that's not something that should make us scared this evening. It's not something that should make us to be full of fear. Instead, it should fill us with hope that Christ will return. At his first advent, few knew handful of shepherds, some of the wise men, but at a second coming, the world will know. At his first advent, he was rejected and he was mocked, but at a second advent, every knee will bow. And at his first advent, he was humiliated, but you know what's going to happen at a second advent? His enemies will be made his footstool. And you see, Christian, this is our hope, to look forward to his second coming, this second advent, bright hope for tomorrow, and we will sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. The earth will receive her king. And so, Christian, tonight, know this. Just as we are sure of his first coming, so we can be sure of his second coming. 
Because of Christmas, we know that there will be the consummation that we talk of within the Christian big story. Because of the manger, we know that all things will be made new. And because of Christ's humiliation and exaltation, we know that we will be exalted with him. And there we will be forevermore. I referenced this morning the little valley of vision. It's an old Puritan prayer, prayer book that we often use and lift little pieces from. Well, there's, a, there's a, a prayer within it looking forward to the second coming of Christ. It says this. It says that thy departure was not a token of separation, but a pledge of return. Thy departure was a pledge, a promise, Jesus, that you would return. And then these words that will come up on the screen. This Puritan writes that Christ's second coming is not a day of horror to me. For thy death has redeemed me. Thy spirit fills me. Thy love animates me. And thy word governs me. See, we have to look forward to this day. It's not to be a horror. It's to be a day that will put a smile on our face when our king will return and all will fade away from this world, all the struggles and suffering. And it's Eden restored, isn't it? We're going towards the garden city where we shall rule. And Nigel alluded to this. The lion and the lamb will lie down together. There will be no more war. This world will be as it should be, and we will be as we should be. Not on a cloud with a harp, with Philadelphia cheese. If we could do anything, I think it would be to delete that from people's memories, that Philadelphia advert. We will be in a garden city. We will enjoy community and creation. We will enjoy one another. We'll enjoy the beauty of of God's world. And Eden will be restored. And so what we see in this is that Christmas is not just a quaint little story that enables school kids to dip their toes into the big lights of the stage as they partake in the nativity. The birth of Jesus gives us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Christian, you have been given the deposit but much, much greater is still to come. This is how the Christmas story starts to change us, do you see? And I'm only scratching the surface of it because I have to keep it short. Where does your strength come from? Where does your strength for today come from? Where is your hope for tomorrow found? What does Christ's first advent mean to you? If you're not a Christian here tonight, what does it mean to you that Jesus was born all those years ago in Bethlehem? What does it mean to you tonight, if you're not a Christian, that Jesus will return and he will judge the living and the dead? I trust for each of us that this Christmas, his first coming and his awaited second coming will be great news great news, good news of great joy that will be for you and it will be for your family. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Look back to the first advent and look up and forward to the second advent. Amen.